I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Cool Canadian History. I'm your host, David Boris. Today, Season 2, Episode 17... La Famille Verandie and the Exploration of the Canadian West. Pierre Gautier de Varin sur la Verandrie was a French Canadian soldier, explorer, and fur trader who, along with his four sons, was instrumental in exploring the region of North America west of Lake Superior. Their adventures took them to the mouth of the Saskatchewan River, south into modern-day North Dakota and Wyoming, into the shadows of the Rocky Mountains, and through territories controlled by a variety of First Nations. The Verandrie family was instrumental in mapping much of modern-day Manitoba, as well as establishing a European presence in the West. A reminder, you can always find us at our homes on a number of different platforms. You can find us on Facebook, You can find us on SoundCloud. All you have to do is search Cool Canadian History. You can find us on iTunes, where our podcasts are available for free. You can, of course, find us at our website, www.coolcanadianhistory.com. And if you go to the website, and I strongly suggest you do, you'll note at the bottom a donations tab. PayPal makes it very easy for you to donate to the podcast. Every donation is extremely helpful in allowing us to continue to bring you this bi-weekly podcast. Now, one of our listeners recently suggested the idea of me recommending a book at the beginning of each episode that relates to the topic at hand. This is a great suggestion. And so today will be the first in, I hope, a continuous string of book recommendations. Today I recommend In Search of the Western Sea, Selected Journals of La Verandrie, Translated and published in 2001 by Great Plains Press, edited by Dennis Combe. This is a fascinating look at the man, the myth, and the legend, as well as a window into an untamed region, all from Pierre's own words. Now, Pierre de Varenne sur la Verandrie was born in Trois-Rivières, Quebec, in November 1685. He was the youngest son of a French officer and daughter of the governor of Trois-Rivières. In fact, his father was an officer with the Calien-Salier Regiment, the first professional soldiers to set foot in New France in the mid-1660s, a crucial addition to much-needed security for New France in the face of constant attacks from the Iroquois. His family was thus of minor nobility, with property in Anjou as well as New France. 
At the age of 14, Pierre became a cadet in the colonial regulars. When the War of Spanish Secession erupted in 1701, often called Queen Anne's War in North America, Pierre found himself fighting in Acadia, so modern-day Nova Scotia and New Brunswick, against the English. He participated in the infamous raid on Deerfield in February of 1704. This is otherwise known as the Deerfield Massacre, and also in an unsuccessful attack on St. John's, Newfoundland the following year. In 1707, Pierre enlisted in the regular French army in order to serve as an officer in Europe. He was wounded and taken prisoner at the Battle of Malpalquet in September 1709 and eventually paroled and returned to his home in New France. Now, when he returned to his home, he supported himself and his family by fur trading along the St. Lawrence River and, in fact, for 15 years found moderate success doing so. When his brother was appointed as the commander of the trading forts along the north shore of Lake Superior, vaguely known as the West, Pierre was suddenly able to get preferential access to relatively untapped areas of furs. While in this region, Pierre not only traded, but explored extensively, hoping to find a route to the Pacific Ocean. There is limited, yet reliable, evidence that other Frenchmen had been west of Lake Superior, and it seems that Pierre was following in their tracks and then pushing beyond. Now, Pierre was able to gain financial support for his numerous expeditions because of the tense and often violent French-English rivalry for furs. In 1713, the French were forced to recognize English claims to Rupert's Land. This is an area around modern-day Hudson's Bay. And this essentially gave the English control of a vast area full of fur-bearing animals. By Pierre moving west, that's below Rupert's Land, the French hoped to outflank the English in discovering new, untapped regions further west in what is modern-day Manitoba and eventually eastern Saskatchewan. Thus... Pierre could count on steady financial support from merchants and nobility in both New and Old France, seeking to dominate the continent's fur trade possibilities. In 1731, Pierre set out on an epic expedition west from Lake Superior. His party included all four of his sons, a host of native guides and warriors from the Cree Nation, and a number of fur traders, the famous Coureur de Bois. Pierre set his base along the shores of Lake of the Woods and built Fort St. Charles. It's believed that Fort St. Charles was actually located on Magnuson's Island, which is basically the northernmost point of the state of Minnesota. From here, Pierre and his sons conducted several expeditions further into the North American interior. In 1734, for instance, Pierre discovered Lake Winnipeg. Pierre's exploration and his access to furs was a huge boost to the New France colony and economy. It's estimated that by the mid-1730s, over half of the furs arriving in Quebec were from trading areas under Pierre's control. It should be noted here that although Pierre was the chief trader in these regions, none of the furs could be ascertained without the help of the First Nations. Pierre had a strong relationship with the Cree of modern-day western Ontario and Manitoba, and the Cree played a crucial role in Pierre's explorations west as guides, trappers, and warriors. The Cree's connection to Pierre is evident in the story of the death of Jean-Baptiste, Pierre's oldest son. You see, Jean-Baptiste came out with his father in 1731 and was instrumental in establishing Fort Maurepas on the Red River. 
This makes him one of the early founders of what would become Manitoba. In June 1736, Jean-Baptiste was leading a party of men on a mission to fetch provisions when they were ambushed by a war party of Sioux. Jean-Baptiste and all of his party were killed in the ambush. Now the Cree were incensed at the death of Jean-Baptiste, and it took all of Pierre's negotiating skills to prevent the Cree from avenging Jean-Baptiste's death and potentially initiating an all-out war in the region. As much as Pierre was struck by the death of his son, all-out war between the Cree and Sioux would become a serious disruption for the fur trade. In 1738, Pierre and a party of Assiniboine First Nations traveled west from Lake Winnipeg down what would become the Saskatchewan River. They eventually left the river, traveling southwest to a First Nations village near modern-day Newtown, North Dakota. At this point, Pierre stopped, while his youngest son, Louis-Joseph, continued on, eventually arriving at the Missouri River. After this, Louis-Joseph would push westward as far as the Bighorn Mountains of Wyoming, and in fact, be the first European to see the Rocky Mountains north of New Mexico. While Louis-Joseph laid eyes on the imposing mountain range, Pierre consolidated his hold on the Lake Winnipeg region. He established Fort Dauphin, which is at modern-day Winnipegosis. He established Fort Bourbon at Grand Rapids, and Fort Lorraine at modern-day Portage-la-Prairie. Pierre would continue exploring and trading in furs all the way until his death in 1749. Now, after Pierre's death, Louis-Joseph would return to New France to settle his father's affairs. Though he was eventually given his father's old position as Commandant of the West, Louis-Joseph would never again return to the frontier, as he enlisted as an officer for the French when hostilities with the British erupted in 1756. These hostilities are known commonly as the Seven Years' War, though in North America often referred to as the French-Indian War. After the conquest of Quebec in 1763, when the British secured their hold over New France, Louis-Joseph chose to immigrate to France, but died when his ship sank off of Cape Breton Island. Interestingly, Louis-Joseph might be best known to the video game community, as he was one of the main antagonists in the Ubisoft game Assassin's Creed Rogue. So we have covered Pierre's eldest son, Jean-Baptiste, and his youngest son, Louis-Joseph, but two more remain who played an important part in the history of the Canadian West. The second son of La Verandrie was also named Pierre, and he too came west with his father in 1731. Pierre the Younger was placed in charge of Fort St. Charles on the Lake of the Woods from 1738 to 1739, after which he traveled south as far as modern-day Nebraska and actually encountered two Spanish forts. He returned to Fort St. Charles with two horses and a variety of articles of Spanish make. The two horses are the first horses in any historical record to arrive in what would become Manitoba. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Toba. 
With hostilities between the French and British on the rise, Pierre the Younger returned to the east to serve in the military. He was stationed at Fort Beausjour in modern-day New Brunswick and was actually captured by the British when the fort fell in 1755. By the way, you can check out Season 1, Episode 13 for the podcast on the siege of Fort Beausjour. Pierre was paroled and returned to Quebec, where he died shortly after under very mysterious circumstances. It is widely believed to this day that his death was actually a successful assassination attempt, most likely ordered by the British. The third son of La Verandrie was Francois, who was born, like all of his brothers, at Sorel in New France. This is modern-day Sorel-Tracy in southwestern Quebec. He too first traveled west with his father's 1731 expedition and was very active in his father's fur trading activities throughout modern-day Manitoba and eastern Saskatchewan. He accompanied his father on expeditions into North Dakota. He was alongside his brother Louis-Joseph when they traveled into Wyoming and supposedly viewed the Rocky Mountains. Now I say supposedly because the evidence that these two viewed the Rocky Mountains is scarce, though not absent. It's actually based on one diary that was found in the French archives in 1851 and a discovered etching on a rock from the Wyoming region. Regardless, when the Seven Years' War broke out in 1756, Francois left the West to return to New France to serve with the French army. Francois was, in fact, the only brother to survive the war, and he died peacefully in July 1794 in Montreal. Francois had no sons and the Verendry name died with him. Regardless of their incredible lives, the Verendry family was instrumental in exploring and claiming a vast territory in the name of the French crown. Much of Manitoba and parts of Saskatchewan, as well as parts of the northern United States, were quote-unquote discovered and opened up to Europeans because of the Verendry. It should be noted that none of this could have been done without the help of the First Nations. Both the Cree and Assiniboine peoples were staunch allies of the Verendry family and helped in guiding them further westwards. The legacy of the Verendry family is evident in many places. Towns like Portage, La Prairie, and Grand Rapids were built around the forts established by the family. Verendry, North Dakota, bears the family name. There is a wildlife reserve and a provincial park in the province of Quebec named after the family. A boulevard in Gatineau, as well as a boulevard in Montreal, bear the Verendry name. The St. Boniface district of Winnipeg is scattered with the name, including a road, a park, and a school. A hospital in Fort Francis, Ontario is named after the family, as well as Le Verendry School in Portage La Prairie itself. Thus, the Verendry family can certainly claim an important place in early Canadian history as explorers, trappers, and soldiers who helped in mapping the West and preparing it for future European exploration and settlement. The sad irony is, of course, that they were helped along by the First Nations, who would in turn suffer death and marginalization at the hands of the arriving Europeans. A tragic story for another time. A reminder, you can find us on iTunes, you can find us on Facebook, you can find us on SoundCloud, and you can find us at our website, www.coolcanadianhistory.com, and of course you can find me on Twitter, at DocBoris, that's at D-O-C-B-O-R-Y-S. I want to thank you for listening. For Cool Canadian History, I'm David Boris. Take care.